Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and we have a special show for you today. I was not in for the live show on SiriusXM Patriot, but we did pre-record a guest for you, none other than Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House. He's got a new book called Defeating Big Government Socialism. Newt's a pretty brilliant guy, very high energy, always has a unique perspective, and uh, quite prolific. And I've read many of his books, and they're all they're all good. And he's got a new one out. I think he covers some big topics that will be themes going forward for the next few years. It's good to hear from him. He's our podcast guest, Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. He has a new book out, Defeating Big Government Socialism. Mr. Speaker, great to have you back well, on the show. Yeah, it's, it's good to speak with you again. There is so much to talk about in the book and beyond. Uh, but I want to talk about the concept of big government socialism. Uh, are we a socialist nation at this point? Because if I look at my how much I'm paying in taxes personally, and I'm not a particularly wealthy individual, it just seems like we're hitting a level where, you know, when you're closing in on 40, 50, sometimes even 60 percent uh, in taxes. Uh, are we socialist at this point? Well, we're certainly dominated by big government socialism because it's not just the government itself, but it's the government's influence through big corporations. It's the degree to which they all cooperate and impose on the rest of us. I mean, in a very real sense, there's a radical elite which is seeking to defeat the American people and to impose on us their values and their structure. So, for example, they really want high prices of gasoline because they want to punish the American people into having to go to non-fossil fuel devices. They really want open borders because they want to flood the country with illegal immigrants. They really favor criminals over victims. And that's why it's not an accident that they release people from jail and they refuse to uh, keep people locked up. And it's part of an entire value system. So what you have is a very left-wing value system uh, that wants a radically different America. And that is focused on making the rest of us obey them. Uh, I mean, I have friends who work for big corporations who are afraid to say what they really think because they think they'll be fired. And this is something that does come up quite a bit in the book is this sort of concept of stakeholder capitalism as opposed to shareholder capitalism. Uh, Would you clarify the concept uh, for the audience from your view and how it's permeating throughout the rest of our society, even beyond our corporations? Start with the idea that you have a militant minority that's that's basically a a secular religion, that they absolutely believe in their righteousness, and they absolutely believe the rest of us are heathen and and inappropriate. Then add to that the notion that they want to use every lever they can to change us, to force us to change. So they have invented a model of stakeholder capitalism, which basically says, I will set the values that you should run your corporation by. And if your choice is between higher profits or meeting these values, give away the profits and meet the values. So Disney goes very woke, suffers a huge loss financially. But nobody causes a stockholder revolt and says, this is crazy. Why, why are you costing me all this money? Uh, they just you know, hunker down and accept that in order to force the rest of us to uh, see what Disney has decided we should see, that uh, they'll accept the the financial losses. And this goes on all over the place. 
you know, you had you had uh, Delta Airlines and Coca-Cola, two of the biggest companies in Georgia, who were for moving the Major League Baseball game for zero good reason, uh, even though it was totally against their economic interests. But their their cultural commitment of their CEOs to this left-wing uh, fanaticism uh, made it worth their while. And, of course, the, the people they really hurt were small African-American businesses who lost about $100 million in money they would have made from tourists for, uh, the, for the Major League Baseball All-Star game. But, but this, these are examples you can find all over the place where you now have a top level who went to Princeton, Yale, Harvard, Stanford, et cetera, and who have hired staff from the same elite schools. And collectively, they believe in a worldview that is their duty to impose on the rest of us. And they regard us as sort of ignorant uh, and uh, hopeless and only capable of being changed by forcing us to do the things they tell us to do. This is a calculation that I think some people in the C-suites of these corporations are going along to get along, and I think they just are taking the path of, of least resistance. Uh, but I do think other times they're ideologically, they just see the ideology of it to be better for their politics. But sometimes I think they've really made the calculation that even if the shares for Disney tank and the shares for some of these major corporations are tanking, that overall they're actually more protected because it's a bigger risk to run afoul of the woke left. It's almost make it be a loss leader, almost have some sort of level of, of, of managed decline that takes place because I think they really do believe that if you cross the woke left, you could go out of business completely. And maybe they're right about that because they're just so rabid the way they operate. Well, and there's not much evidence of, of the left actually driving somebody out of business. It's a big, successful corporation. But there's a, a lot of this is, is, is psychological. I mean, one of the points of my new book on defeating big government socialism is you know, these folks, I mean, when, when you're faced with a militant left wing, which is basically hunting the six conservative justices of the Supreme Court with a Justice Department so totally corrupt that it's refusing to protect the Supreme Court justices, and you say to yourself, you know, do I want to arouse the level of anger and the level of personal hostility? Do I, do I want to be harassed at, at a restaurant at dinner? Uh, th these are people who want to be liked and they want to be able to go to the country club on Sunday and have everybody feel good about them. And so as you, as this radical militant dominance, which, which is really a phenomenon uh, of graduate school in particular, uh, that, that you have all of these people who went to these very elite schools who have been brainwashed into this, this, this quasi religious belief system where facts don't matter. What matters is the narrative. So if you, if you try to tell them facts, yeah. you know, I mean, for example, if you really are worried about the environment, America produces oil and gas less expensively with less pollution than any other country in the world. So if you really cared about that, you would never substitute Iranian or Venezuelan or Saudi or Russian oil for American oil. But if the narrative you have is, I have to punish and destroy the American oil and gas industry, and if that causes me national security problems, and if that causes me uh, that the average American suddenly has huge economic problems because they can't afford the price of gasoline, 
that's just tough because my my religious devotion to my big government socialist woke left model requires me to do this to you. I, I wouldn't be doing this to you. It's a little bit like the Inquisition in the Middle Ages. I wouldn't be torturing you, but this will actually save your soul. Let, let me get your thoughts on the insistence that we keep spending um, amounts of money that we don't have or closing in on $31 trillion of national debt. I was just checking out the debt clock. Uh, and, and not to say we always have to be perfectly hawkish at every moment, Mr. Speaker, but it just seems like the solution to every problem from the current administration and both houses of Congress is to just spend more. What is your reaction to this? And is there any reining it in or we have we just lost that battle psychologically and ideologically? No, I mean, as, as I as I point out in the, in the new book, uh, Defeating Big Government Socialism, you know, we balanced the budget for four straight years. Uh, the only time in your lifetime it was done, and we did it working with Bill Clinton, and it was bipartisan, and, and it's doable. We could do it again. It would take probably seven to ten years to totally balance the current federal budget. But you would run across every single corrupt left-wing group, all of whom are sitting there supported by federal money, uh, and they would all go crazy. Uh, and that's the problem, that I mean, they have to spend money because they have to bribe their supporters to keep them happy. And if they don't spend that money, their supporters are going to be very unhappy. So th- that's correct. And it seems like this is the, the what frustrates this audience so much, the Breitbart audience in particular, is it seems like there's uh, spending our money is there are people who negotiate with our money, the taxpayers' money, and we don't always have a say in it. We have a say every two or four years when we go and vote, and e- even then, uh, there's increased distrust in the elections. And I'm not just talking about this, talking about 2020. I mean, I'm looking at right now the Democrats in Los Angeles just uh, uh, voted to be able to nullify the and disregard the vote in a, a sheriff's race because. They, uh, for whatever reason, they be, because they don't like the way the sheriff's operating, they can just essentially throw out the election. It, it, it's an amazing moment because it, so many of the of the people who are our citizens feel disenfranchised, and I think that they feel like there is this hierarchy between the corporate socialists and the big government socialists that are coming together, and they really are becoming like an oligarchic class. They are. I mean, I think the only way to understand this is that there is a war against the American people, uh, that that in many ways they resemble the Bolsheviks in 1917, who took power in Russia for the purpose of destroying Russian society and replacing it with what they called new Soviet man. Well, I mean, if you look at somebody like AOC or you you listen to Elizabeth Warren, uh, I mean, the world they want requires the destruction of most of the America you and I were born into. And people need to quit thinking that these that this is a liberal version of us. These people are outside our world. They want to create a totally different America, and they're willing to use the power of government to force us into their version of America. And so I think we have an obligation to decide that this is real and to do what it takes to win. Uh, and I think we can, uh, and I think the election this fall can be a major step in the right direction. But again, part of the reason I wrote defeating big government socialism is I don't think it's enough just to defeat the Democrats. I think you have to defeat the ideas, uh, because otherwise they'll just come back and say, well, 
that was because Biden had cognitive problems or it's because they didn't do it quite right. No, the core things, starting with Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, the core things they've been trying to do now since the mid-1960s do not work, and they make the world worse, and they hurt people. Uh, But they don't learn anything from it because their value system makes it impossible for them to learn about the world that really works. One of the things that permeates the book, one of the themes is you refer uh, you refer to the uh, Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan's essay on defining deviancy down uh, multiple times. And I was thinking about this in the context of the latest rounds of harassment that we're seeing of Supreme Court justices that continue um, the uh, targeting of crisis pregnancy centers with vandalism and with graffiti. It seems like we've lost some level of civility and grace, which you write about in one of the concluding chapters in the book. Uh, Explain to us why you think this essay was so important and what examples do you you see that concern you in public life right now that we need to get away from quickly? Well, I mean, you see it across the board. Um, we, we, We spent two generations trying to defeat racism in America, and now the radical left is imposing racism in America. I mean, when you tell a seven-year-old white girl that she should feel bad because she's a product of white privilege and she should be embarrassed about being white, that's pure racism. Uh, and you can go through a whole series of these things. And, you know, when, when you say we're going to release the – and this just happened, as you know, in New York uh, in, in a case involving a bodega where the man defending himself – and it's clear on the videotape – he tries to avoid a confrontation – the, the man who has broken into his store keeps pe- pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. Ultimately, he kills the man in self-defense. The government wants to go after the guy, the innocent guy who was being attacked. Um, now, that just gives you a flavor of how totally out of sync reality has become. Uh, that uh, what we want, you know, what we once thought, and I think it's a great irony, by the way, that you have a brand new Supreme Court justice who couldn't define what a woman was. We were moving towards the left defining birthing persons rather than mothers. And then all of a sudden, because of the Supreme Court decision, a woman's right becomes important again. So now the left has to confront what does it mean by a woman's right? And and is, is that actually a birthing person's right or is it a woman's right? And they're totally screwed up because in the end, their value system doesn't work in the real world. Ronald Reagan captured it brilliantly. He said he never worried about what liberals didn't know. He worried about what they knew that wasn't true. Big Government Socialism is the book. Newt Gingrich is the author, former Speaker of the House. Uh, I, I want to get your quick take on the authoritarian compulsion that so many have in Washington and beyond. It, it seems like a huge disconnect for a lot of us who want a great country but don't necessarily feel like the key to it is giving ourselves much more power. It just seems like this is almost like a, a virus that's infected so many people in our leadership class in Washington. Has this changed since you were the speaker, or is this something that we always just have to guard no, against? It's, it's gotten radically worse. 
you know, the, the greatness of America lies in its citizens. The yes. fact that we're not subjects, we're citizens. The greatness of America lies in the local school board, the local county commission. The fact that we have, I think, 105,000 elected offices, that we, we are a country in which people run their own lives and make decisions in their own neighborhoods. And there has been a steady drive to centralize all this into power and to have a, a political class, which now has so much money, hires so many consultants, runs campaigns that are so expensive that they think the rules don't apply. And this is not just an American problem. Uh, Boris Johnson was destroyed as prime minister in Bart because he kept applying laws for uh, rules for other people and then breaking them. And people finally got disgusted with this double standard. Uh, you've seen this with, with the, the governor of, of uh, Michigan, with the governor of California, you know, who said uh, everybody has to be locked down and then ends up at French Laundry being hosted by lobbyists at the most uh, famous restaurant in America. And people just thought this is such total hypocrisy. But right. the, the professional governing class has grown up over the last 40 or 50 years, and it is deeply opposed to everyday normal Americans because it thinks it's superior to us. It thinks we ought to be subject. You know, keep your mouth shut. Uh, you're, only, you're, you're a subject. You're not a citizen. That's why Hillary Clinton could use such uh, nasty language about the, the Trump supporters as opposed to the respect you ought to be paying to people who are, are your fellow citizens. Uh, Mr. Speaker, tell me briefly about the misinformation conspiracy. Well, I think that the, the fact is that Across the board, you now have a, an alliance between big government, the big news media, and the big Internet companies to try to minimize our getting the truth. I mean, if you watch, someday someone will write an amazing history of the saga of uh, Hunter Biden and his laptop and the degree to which every effort was made. I mean, I think had, had we had an honest, decent media, Trump would have won re-election decisively. Because we knew the basics of the Hunter Biden corruption well before the election, and every effort was made to suppress it, to ridicule it, to say it was just a Russian hoax, et cetera. We, we now know beyond any reasonable doubt that President Biden lied and continues to lie, that, I mean, you just had a, a million barrels of oil from your American uh, national uh, oil reserve sent to China to the company that Hunter Biden is associated with. Now, how can that not be an impeachable scandal? Uh, you go down this whole list of yes. things, yeah, and what you have is uh, a, a system designed to minimize you and me learning the truth in favor of learning the falsehoods that they rely on. And finally, Mr. Speaker, give us a recommendation for uh, we citizens who want to get involved at some level. What should we be doing right now? I think... Uh, this is an election year. Find a campaign you believe in and help them. If, if you don't have anybody you believe in, run yourself, but be involved actively. Um, to, be, to be honest, read my book and use it as a baseline to be able to talk with and argue with your friends and neighbors. Uh, be involved with radio shows like this. Be involved on the Internet. The American people can defeat the elites if the American people decide their country's worth saving. Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House. The new book is Defeating Big Government Socialism. Anything he writes is worthwhile and one of the most tireless conservatives in modern history, really. And thanks, Mr. Speaker. Always appreciate when you're thanks. on. Great to be with you. I got a 
Thanks a lot to producer Zach and Greg Eben and all of you listen to the show. Share your favorite content with friends and family. That's all very helpful. It helps us grow. Leaving a five-star review, all that's good as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. I'm in love.